When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Writer's Room, where funny writers who sit in funny rooms and write funny words for other people finally get to talk. Here's your host, me, Jeff Cesario. Welcome to Vent Day on the Writer's Room. We're taking a break from discussing the hilarities and the ins and outs of comedy writing uh, because the uh, college football season is halfway through and the pro season is about a third of the way through. And uh, I have a heavy weight on my shoulders, and my producer, Gary Smith, has an equally heavy weight on his shoulders. We have a symbiotic relationship when it comes to this. Folks, welcome to Gary Smith. Gary, how are you? Uh, you know, as as you said, uh, a lot on my shoulders this this time of year, especially when the sports category. But uh, I'm great, Jeff, and it's great to be here as always. Always fun to uh, to just connect you and I and chop it up about sports. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gary's pro team is the San Diego Chargers. Yes, and yes, my, it is. My, yeah, my pro team is the Green Bay Packers, who appear to be ready to launch into perhaps a five to 10 year period that will be similar to the Chargers. So I'm going to look to Gary for advice on how to handle this from a fan standpoint. And his college team is USC. And uh, my college team is the Wisconsin Badgers. So it appears that USC is beginning to stumble in ways that the Badgers have stumbled on and off for many years. So I may be able to help you in college football, and you may be able to help me in the pros. Either way, we have stuff to get off our chests here because I'm not happy. Yeah, I'm in a tough position because you mentioned that my college team is uh, USC, and that is true, but I'm a bit of a, a riddle, whereas I have two college teams because I'm also a fan of Arizona. And I would say that yeah. that was the, actually the game where USC started to stumble, and it appears they have now fallen and are at least down on one knee with uh, an undetermined tumble to come. Yeah, they are, uh, to use a boxing analogy, uh, they are down on one knee pretending to the ref as if they slipped. Right. Exactly. And I don't think they have, I think uh, USC has some fundamental issues, Uh, but let's talk Wisconsin. Let's do it (laughs) because it'll give you a break. They got, here's the deal. They're four and two. They just lost to Iowa in, uh, and, and this is saying something because Iowa and Wisconsin have played they have a tendency to play very hard, tough, hard fought, and also wildly weird games. There's a lot of, there's a lot of 19 to 15 scores in yeah. this rivalry. There's a lot of 22 to five. There's a lot of weird things that go on in this rivalry. None weirder than Saturday's game when Iowa won 15 to six passing for a whopping 37 yards. And that's not counting taking away the sacks 
from that from that guy's total. Using a quarterback, Iowa did, who was third string at Wisconsin last year and then somehow wound up at Iowa. Uh, I, I, they got a new coach at Wisconsin. His name is Luke Fickle. He came from Cincinnati. He was the only coach ever to get a group of five team to the college football four-team playoff. The only coach who ever did that with Cincinnati. And uh, the Badgers last year fired their coach, used a uh, beloved assistant coach who was a tremendous defensive coordinator, Jim Leonard. Uh, let me just say they fired a, a wonderful coach named Paul Christ, who had had some issues in the recruiting portal, et cetera. And, um, and uh, a style of football that people were beginning to think is just not sustainable, uh, which is more of a heavy reliance on defense. And then uh, kind of a modified pro offense, but usually with personnel, eh, probably not going to the pros. So they, uh, they fired him. They used Jim Leonard to replace him. When it came time to hire the coach, they got fickle and uh, Leonard moved on. Leonard was interested, but they moved off him. And uh, Fickle hired a guy named Phil Longo from North Carolina as his offensive coordinator, and they're going to run the air raid offense. And so far, it has just been the raid offense. Ah, that's not ideal. Zero really air contribution to the fight. Um, And then... uh, the ground game is sort of stumbling because now all the blocking schemes and stuff are for this sort of air raid, a lot of lateral movement. Um, so they have the worst of two worlds right now. They are four and two. Um, and you know, you got to give a dude time to get a system in. Right. Yeah. Uh, but here's what bugs me. And I'm a patient dude, but here's what bothers me. The coaches had spring ball and fall camp to assess the talent they had. As as brief in time ago as the Washington State game, which Wisconsin lost three weeks ago up at Washington State. No, no, no great uh, embarrassment there. Washington State, pretty good football team this year. Yeah, absolutely. And it was at Washington State. And they were fired up to beat Wisconsin and Wisconsin almost rallied to win, but they lost and gave the quarterback like six quarterback runs on the final drive that allowed them to win the game. Anyway, after that, he says, we have the personnel here at Wisconsin to win now. That's what Luke Fickle says. He also said that we're changing the culture and after the loss an emphasis. Yeah. After the loss. Okay. Right. And then he said on many occasions, the his takeaway from watching last season's Wisconsin team when he was not involved was that they lost a lot of close games in the fourth quarter. We're changing that culture. We're doing everything to win those games, to win in the fourth quarter. We're flipping it around. So there are two losses. They lost in the fourth quarter at Washington State, and they absolutely pissed the game away against Iowa. So I w- want to give the dude his room to, you know, get his players in. And even with the transfer portal and all of that, you still need a couple of years to get your system in place, 
get everybody comfortable with him, blah, 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 and all of that stuff. But I'm just going off, Gary, what the coach and the coaching staff have said, which is we have the personnel to win now, including 15 uh, athletes from the transfer portal, both top quarterbacks and four of the five top receivers. So that game was supposed to have been elevated. And he said, we got it. We got it here to win now. Now they lost the quarterback and I went to an injury and they lost one of the running backs. But he said, OK, we got that. That's what they said. We're going to switch around the fourth quarter. That's what they said. And we're changing this this culture, you know, and none of that has happened yet. And we're we're seven games in. And I don't care if we're two and four. I, I don't care. If I see the effort on the field, but I see the same things that got the last coach over a period of two or three years. Yes. But that got the last coach essentially fired, which was, there was a sort of lackadaisical quality on the sideline. I shouldn't say that unemotional would be the, a better phrase Yeah, on the sideline. Um, a, a lack of intensity, perhaps at times on the field. Maybe not as animated as you'd like to see in terms of firing up those around him. Yeah. And, and I'm fine with that if you're not an animated person. And Paul Chris was not a particularly openly animated person. I think privately and in the locker room, I don't know, but I would guess he, he had that gear if he needed it. And, uh, and he had some hellaciously great years at Wisconsin. They went 13 1, won the Orange Bowl, almost made the playoffs. And that was 2017, you know, so he was, he was a really good coach and, and I want to, you know, give fickle all of this room because I like the concept. Let's open it up. Let's play. Let's get a younger guy in who knows the transfer portal, knows NIL, knows how to recruit these athletes and whatnot. But I, I, I'm just going off of their words and I don't see it. And that's, what's frustrating. Yeah. Oh, I can totally understand that. I, you know, I think that I don't think that's necessarily the problem that USC is having, but I can certainly understand no. that that I would also as a fan be frustrated on someone saying they're going to change the culture after a loss where it's like, okay, are you, is, is there some sort of an intention now you've had how many games a shot at this where you, did you leave in place a culture where that was the anticipated outcome or, or accepted? I mean, is, is that, was that culture there for the first few games? I don't quite get it. Let's, you know, yeah, and how I, are I you changing that culture? That just sounds like you're saying something to say something. Tell us how you are changing that culture or what, what the new culture to, is. Yes. Another issue I have with Luke fickle. And again, you're being real fickle issue, about this. Going to give him a lot of, going to give him a lot of leeway to, to to go after this. Um, but he's not good at the mic. That kills me. That just, that just freaking kills me. <laughs> As a stand-up, it drives me insane. Alvarez, say what you will in terms of old coaching style, but Barry Alvarez got to a mic. He laid it out. He was straight up. He was honest. He'd give you a couple of sound bites, and he could be really searingly funny. When he wanted to be. Yeah. And it's he really backed up his words and, and, and he tends to like get off on little tangents in his head. He might be a little ADHD. I'm not sure, but he'll, you know, get asked a question and he'll wind up a little further down the road. And as opposed to someone like Mike Leach, who could make that entertaining, 
Luke is just Luke. And it's just coach speak. That's kind of vague. And, and then eventually kind of off topic, which drives me insane. Yeah. You know, it's, it's confusing these days for someone to get to a level of a college head coach or most certainly a pro head coach and not be able to at least speak succinctly with the media. I, I you know, being funny is yeah. a whole different tool and a few of the guys have it. A few guys, few of the guys have the, I'm just going to be cantankerous so that I, you know, which is another f- flavor of funny in my opinion, but the, right, the right, guys right. who just can't answer questions in a way that doesn't sound robotic it's just like, how did you progress this far in your career that you have no media savvy whatsoever? Yeah, a little personality. Yeah. Of some sort. And any other thing that bothered me, then we'll get off Wisconsin because I'm venting. I'm almost done. Uh, Iowa and Wisconsin have played like 112 times. And if you're in the Big Ten, you tend to know the identity of certain rivalries. Purdue and Indiana play for the old oaken bucket, but you always know that's going to be a wild game, a lot of passing, a lot of craziness. They're going to try trick plays. That's sort of the ID of that game. Uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, you know, they're going to butt heads. They're age old rivals. Wisconsin, Iowa, always these weird, it's like it should be raining and it was, you know, it's that like, boom, it's like a Steelers game. It's just bam. Constant physical um, conflict and always these weird games. Now, Luke Fickle played at Ohio State, I think, four to five years. He then was a student assistant on the football team for several years and then was an assistant coach on the football team and was even interim coach, I think, right before uh, Urban Meyer. I think they got rid of Trestle and they had to finish the season. And, and so, so he, he, he's an Ohio state guy for at least a decade in the big 10, actively in the big 10. And he said before the Iowa game, the Iowa Wisconsin game, he said, I'm going to go back and look at tape and see what this, you know, get a flavor for the rivalry. And I'm like, dude, you're in the big 10 for 10 years. I mean, I know a couple of Ohio state's rivals, you know, specifically Michigan, but that's nationally known, but even other ones where you go, Ooh, they just have a hard time with this team. You know, Michigan state always gives that. I know I'm aware enough to know some of these other rivalries. Yeah. The dude had to go back and watch tape to know that Iowa, Wisconsin likes to just stand there like a bar fight and bloody each other's noses. I mean, that kind of surprised me. And then afterwards, he said they underestimated the Iowa defense. Where have you been the last 20 years? I mean, you know, Iowa's built its entire team around their defense. Their offensive coordinator is going to get fired if he doesn't average 25 points a game this year, which he's not. So people, I mean, if I just, it just, I couldn't understand that he couldn't get into this, that, that, I don't care if he's got a, 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 you know, a more subtle personality or quiet or whatever. Cool. But get into it, man. This is Iowa, Wisconsin. You're the dude on the sideline who's on camera 50% of the time. And if I don't see anything on your face, <laughs> you know, yeah. make me believe, make me, make me believe that you're into this job. 
Yes. Thank you. Make me believe you're into this job. And you're not just waiting for Ryan Day to get fired at Ohio State so you can go take that job. Right. Because that's now a thought in the back of my head. I don't think that's an unreasonable thought because, you know, he's going to keep saying and doing stuff like that and, you know, seeming as though he's this stoic monster. I mean, maybe he's not happy. Yeah. And, 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 and again, all coaching. I think the kids are generally all great kids. The transfers too, you know, they still have to meet a GPA that's top three in the Big Ten. So, you know, and by the way, let's just point out that there are better weather conditions in the country to want to transfer into. Yes. You know, you gotta, these guys gotta want it to be going, you know, December games in Wisconsin. Yeah. I'm in for that. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be committed. So I, I appreciate that they are committed and that they're still committed through uh, these troubles and seem to be uh, united as a team. And that's great. And they're united with their coaches and that's great. But, you know, you, the transfer quarterback was a, like a sixth year senior from SMU named uh, Tanner Mordecai, who was good. It was a cut up, I thought, for us. It was a great above for us. He passed for over 7,000 yards his last two seasons at SMU and like 38 touchdowns or something insane. That's impressive. Through six games, he's thrown three touchdowns and three interceptions. What is it about Camp Randall that just poisons quarterbacks? What the hell is going on? I don't get it. And then he asked the coach and he's like, yeah, I don't know. And you go, well, you you, get that. No, I'm I'm sorry, but you're being paid too much money to not know. You need to. Yeah, know. you're the coach. Yeah, is it you, the scheme? They're not learning the scheme. Can you simplify the scheme? Is there's a package you put in for the back? I mean, I don't know. It seems like there are answers that could be put out there, even if it's just fan speak, to quell the base a little bit from thinking, eh, "Brother, yeah, maybe give, this wasn't give me the greatest a- idea." Give me a platitude or two. If you if you really got nothing, give me a platitude or two. Throw something it's out there something so it so at right. least you're trying to trick me into thinking that you're working on this. Yeah, you're the head of a corporation. I get it. That's what head coaches are nowadays. You yeah. know, they're running a giant operation. But you know, you don't have to be IBM. You know, you could be Apple or Zappos or Red Bull. <laughs> yeah, something with a little shot. Yes, for yep. God's sake. Now, your team, USC, we'll start with USC, Arizona. I, Arizona is, I have not been watching a lot Arizona. of guts right now. I've not been watching Arizona football. I saw some of the USC game, but other than that, I haven't seen much, so I won't comment on them. It's unfortunately Arizona at the moment is relegated to the dreaded Pac-12 network, which I have yet to come across yeah. somebody who has a login code I can use for that. So no, there's actually a uh, police sketch artist who does renderings of the games and then mails them to you. Right. That's the okay. Pac-12 That's the Pac-12 network, network at this point. Yeah. I'm surprised that there's, that it even exists anymore, but um, yeah, USC. Um, I think USC has arguably the most talented player in college football. Absolutely. Uh, who Caleb Williams, the Caleb Williams was on track, I think, in the first 
five or six games of the season. I, I can't remember what number uh, Notre Dame was, but I think it was after six. But anyways, in the first few games of the season, I could make a very strong argument that he was going to repeat as a Heisman winner. I don't know if that will be the case anymore. I think it still very well could be, but I think that unfortunately, some of the coaching staff rested on their laurels and rested on the fact that they had this super athlete and it was eventually revealed by a determined Notre Dame team, which is another one of those rivalries like you talk about, USC, Notre Dame, especially when it's in South Bend, you know, but but also when it's, you know, in uh, in L.A., right, right before Thanksgiving. Those are always knockdown drag out games. And I saw that one coming when the when Arizona got so close and drove them into double yeah. overtime. I looked down the road at the calendar and said, Notre Dame is going to be a problem. And sure enough, I, you know, was very busy with family stuff that that night so i didn't get to see a lot of the game aside from the highlights but when i first turned it on uh it was in the second quarter and usc was already down and i just knew i i knew that was not going to end very well so um yeah and I here's think- the thing that i know about the notre dame usc rivalry which is it is a game of momentum grabbing yes that rivalry features more tight games, but also more blowouts than right. any other rivalry I know. Right. I mean, it, you it's, know, it's one year it's 24 23, the next year it's 49 10. Exactly. And you just go, oh, this is a game where if you grab that momentum you're, and you run with it, it's over from <laughs> either side. And, and this last game was the first time in a while that Notre Dame has completely grabbed that momentum early and just steamrolled USC. Yeah. And I think that they, I think that the, the Arizona game probably did a lot for the Notre Dame organization in terms of getting their kids fired up, you know, going back through the storied rivalry and getting these, those kids really convinced that if they, if they did their jobs and they all came with their A games, that they could take that momentum and they could run away with it by a large margin. And that's exactly what they did. And I think that it changed the trajectory of Notre Dame season. I think that the, you know, the the polls reflected it, you know, that I think that there's a lot of weight put on that rivalry because it is such a storied one. You know, it's, it's, I would say up there of one of the top five college football rivalries, you know, that are, that are out there, maybe top 10, but it's, it's one of the big ones. And I think that that that's reflected by those voting in the polls. And I don't think that it necessarily spells the end of USC season. It, it definitely is a big stumbling block, but I think that it is, has changed the positive trajectory of Notre Dame season in a, in a big, big way. Well, let's see how they respond. Yeah. Uh, you know, this week will be important, but I would say this. Um, I like Lincoln Riley. I do too. I think he's done a tremendous rebuild heavily on the transfer portal, yep. some recruiting, but heavily on the transfer portal. He's rebuilt it. He's got the best QB. Uh, Probably in college football, I think Michael Penix up at Washington is is equally good. But this kid, Caleb Williams, has legs too. I mean, it's yeah. ridiculous. Um, he, he's and, just and, he seems to be a magician and escape artist. He's just yeah. the, the holes that he goes through. You know, you could put five people in a room and all five are going to say that he shouldn't be able to go through that hole, but he does. And I think when you know he knows they kind of need to get off to a good start in virtually any game. Yeah. And then he can relax and play his game, even if they're just seven point, even if it's just a seven point lead. But when they're down and he's scrambling, he tries to make something happen because he knows that there's a good chance his defense may not be able to hold, you know, 
even do a field goal. So when that pressure's on him, suddenly he throws three picks. Well, okay, he's a normal guy. He had a bad game. What are you going to do? Yeah, and and, you know, I I'm not even convinced that it's entirely on him when they they get into those situations because I think that when they get down and they get into those situations where Caleb Williams does have to try and enforce those things, I think that maybe at the next level he's making more of those completions because he's dealing with players that have a higher level of talent. You know, he's got good guys. He's got good guys around him, but he doesn't necessarily have guys that can turn on that NFL switch that Caleb Williams can. I mean, he's clearly going to be a player at the next level. And that's not true of all of his receivers. Some of them maybe, but he's not going to have every single one of his receivers from this year in the NFL two years from now with him. It's just not the the case. And he's going to learn quickly. And he knows he already knows in the pros, you just throw it away. Yeah, yeah, you, absolutely. You just live to fight another day. In college, you go, oh, crap. But I agree I with you. Best receiver out there. I, I better, I better give him a, a shot at trying to catch it. Yeah. And the pros, you just go, I'm dunking it. It's we'll we'll take it. It's like spiking it. We'll go to third down. We'll get the hell out of here. Yeah, and I agree with you about Lincoln Riley. I think that his transfer portal, as you said, he leaned heavily on the transfer portal. I think that's sort of a, a factor of of his being new. I think that in time, he's not going to have any trouble being a, a great recruiter because, you know, frankly, USC recruits itself. You get to live in LA and play in Southern California. You know, you just moved into this giant fancy new conference. So you have all the swagger of the other teams. Yeah. The NIL money is, you know, absolutely ridiculous because USC is a very wealthy institution with uh, donors and, and, you know, boosters that are, are very, very passionate. So I I don't think that he'll necessarily be such a transfer portal heavy guy in the future, but I am very optimistic about him as a coach for the future. Yeah, I think he'll do well. And I don't think he made excuses after the game. No, I think he, he, he slid a little bit towards, you know, we could use we could use another few bodies. Kind of inference. It wasn't open, but it was a bit of an inference. But still, he came out and said, "You know, they knocked our socks off." Which Fickle did too. He said, "We got beat in all three phases of the game." But you can't then also say we underestimated Iowa's defense. And see, that's, that's the, the one thing no one's done. No one has done in the Big Ten for 20 years is underestimate Iowa's defense, if not longer. So that was weird to me. Although that maybe that's coach speak for I got to sit down with my offensive coordinator and go, what the hell happened? I don't know. Maybe that's maybe maybe he's covering. I don't know. But it's kind of an odd thing to say at the mic. Plus, I'm sitting there, one of probably seven people Saturday watching Iowa. Wisconsin, while at the same time, Washington and Oregon are playing up in Seattle, and it's a thrilling 36 to 33 game. Both teams look fantastic on both sides of the ball, even with that highest score. And they're both going into the Big Ten. And I'm like, you just scored six points on Iowa, and you got USC, UCLA. Oregon and Washington coming into the conference, you're already fighting maximum for eighth place, maximum for eighth place in the conference. And yeah. Iowa just beat you. So make that ninth. So, I mean, it, you know, if Luke Fickle is saying, I got to get more bodies that can run my system in, okay, we'll see. But 
then don't say when you're two and one on the year, we have the talent here to win now. That seemed like a weird thing to say. So uh, speaking of weird things to say now in the pros, uh, I, I, I got, I got to give you the floor here because the San Diego chargers have, well, well, let me just say this. I texted you uh, during that game that something had happened and I can't remember what I said, but I said, Oh boy, this is just, this is the, they, they, despite Dallas attempting to hand the game to San Diego, San Diego somehow still lost it. And you said like, I'm already in the car, dude. I left at half. This is exactly like rooting for Wisconsin. Jesus, get two yards and a first down. And I yeah. said, hence my leaving at halftime. You know, right. um, <laughs> hence the inspiration for for the vent day on the podcast. Um, year after year after year, I, yeah, I was listening to Colin Coward this morning, and he said an interesting thing, which I tend to forget. They went from from Philip Rivers to to the kid, Justin Herbert. And they still have the exact same issues. And Philip Rivers was an all-star, all-pro quarterback. Yeah. And And this kid's clearly impressive. So, yeah. And I'm sorry to cut it short here, but we do have to run shortly. Um, But I I do think Justin Herbert is an elite level quarterback. I think that the, the onus is on the organization. They're just, you know, the, the decisions that are made for that team are not right. I mean, we get unlucky for sure, but they just make bad decisions. And unfortunately, you know, I did leave at halftime. I, I said, I've seen this. I said to myself, I've seen this movie before. This game is too tight and there's just going to be mistakes that happen at the end that, you know, Dallas won't make as many. And that's exactly what happened. You literally have to measure out your agita for the week ahead. And no, oh, I, I'm going to have some problems at work. I cannot afford it. Folks, This is these aren't lazy fans. These are incredibly dedicated fans who just go, I'm going to have enough bile in my stomach later in the week that I, I cannot afford to have it today. So you yeah. leave at halftime. Exactly. And the it's, Packers, for what it's worth, it's just, you know what it's like? It's like watching now with Jordan Love at quarterback and Matt LaFleur at coach. It's like watching uh, people you knew from high school who are now doing something at a professional level, but you haven't seen them in a while. And you go, oh, this will be great. I I know uh, Jim and Terry from high school. And then you watch for a little while and you go, oh, my God, they can't sing and dance at all. They shouldn't be on Broadway. That's what that's what it's currently like. Well, Jeff, That's my I will brief uh, summation of I will be here for you as an emotional support friend and uh, and, you know, text lamenter of the outcomes of our teams. But unfortunately, I think we got to wrap it up there for today. Yeah, let, let's get rolling, uh, folks. Uh, we'll post this later. Anybody with uh, input on Wisconsin, on the Packers, on USC and on uh, the Chargers, uh, feel free to drop us a line and we'll hash it through on a future episode. Absolutely. Share your thoughts on this. Uh, Gary, thanks so much for, uh, for trying to stay in control through most of your angst. And uh, do we, I, uh, you know, Chet just walked in Chet. Do we have a sponsor? Of course we have a sponsor. This whole podcast sponsored by OCDC, the most meticulous ACDC cover band ever. And of course, 
Alpoplectic. Make your dog crazy for dinner with Alpoplectic. Thanks, Chet. All right, folks. We'll see you next week with another edition of The Writer's Room. Later. Later.